This is the 26th episode of Fintech Flow, which is brought to you by The Magic of Innovation, which is a conference about insurance and innovation. On this episode, I will be talking to the most interesting man in insurance, Rob Galbraith, who came over to the conference from the US. Welcome to Fintech Flow, where we deep dive into the depth and complexity of successful startups, sit down with bright fintech minds, and bridge together the gap in mindset between the legacy players and today's innovators. With 10 years experience as a manager in the financial sector, MIT certified fintech expert Linda Shalai is prepared to put it all in play and to follow the flow. I'm in Wien right now at the Magic of Innovation conference, talking with Rob Gerbrace, author of the book The End of the Insurance as We Know It. Rob was named as the most interesting man in insurance by Nick Lamparelli, and he has been ranked as high as number six on the InsurTech London Top 100 Influencers. Rob, welcome to Fintech Flow. Thank you very much, Linda. Appreciate it. You just recently published this super exciting book, The End of Insurance as We Know It, and the title itself is, is shocking because we know insurance as it is for hundreds or maybe I could see thousands of years. So what makes you think that this is the end? So I spent 20 years uh, on the carrier side uh, in the United States where I'm from, and I spent most of my time in underwriting. And... Uh, Going along my job, really enjoyed it. I'm a very risk-adverse person, so the industry and uh, um, choice of underwriting really fit my personality. But in 2015, uh, I went to an underwriting conference, and I met a gentleman from Silicon Valley. And that was the first time in all the many years that anybody from Silicon Valley had ever come to any of our underwriting conferences before. And he said that he was there to learn about insurance because he wanted to put us all out of business by the next year. Well, I'm happy to report we're all still gainfully employed in the insurance industry in 2019. Um, but that was really a signal. And I started having meetings with different startups, talking about different technologies. And I would sit in the meeting for an hour and I would leave and I would just be amazed and say, I just got a glimpse of the future. This is what insurance will look like 10 years from now. And it wasn't one company or one particular technology. It was a range of different um, technologies all throughout the insurance uh, value chain. And so it really got me to thinking. I jotted down some thoughts and a year later, I produced a book. And you ended up with a great and interesting book. You mentioned in the book, you talk about that uh, regulation, reams of customer data, and brand recognition was something that make insurance harder to conquer for startups or insurtechs. But you say that uh, this is the time when it will be diminished and uh, maybe insurtechs can change the industry. What makes you think that this is the time? Why do you think that? There's so much activity much um, investment. There's billions of dollars of money flowing into uh, InsurTex. Um, There's so many startups, I can't keep track of them all. This is the fifth year um, here at the Magic of Innovation event. Um, It's just grown tremendously and to see the different startups that have come. Some are returning, but many are new. There's just such a hive of activity. Um, So everybody really wants to see insurance change. Nobody loves the way it is currently. Um, but everyone's still kind of figuring it out right now. Um, but I'm convinced we have so many smart people um, and so much money going into it that they will be successful ultimately. Many of the startups will fail, unfortunately, 
but a few will survive and a very few will be household names five to ten years from now. So just like we have Amazon and Google and Facebook and Apple, um, I think you're going to have names like that in the insurance space ten years from now. Yeah, I agree. And uh, also yesterday we saw pitches from startups and also from older, more established companies. And all the pitches were really great and all of them are using technology. And I think many of us were amazed of their ideas and what they can do and how it can affect our industry. Who do you think these insurtech startups should uh, compete with? Is it the insurance companies that they are trying to replace? Or do you think it's more like the big tech giants who will be insurance providers in the future? That is a great question. And I don't know that any of us, including myself, know the answer. What I will tell you is... um, we had a few waves of insurtech. So the first wave was absolutely this idea of coming in and disrupting and putting everybody out of business, and it will not take me very long to conquer your industry, as it has been for others. Uh, But insurance is different. Every industry thinks they're different, but insurance really is. It's a financial instrument and a legal contract all rolled into one, highly regulated, um, something that consumers many times are required to purchase. Uh, when they purchase it, whether they're required to or not, uh, there's a high level of trust. Because if you have a claim and you find out that your insurance policy does not cover it, you can't exchange it for one that does. You can't just take it to the the store and say, I want a refund or I want to return this and exchange it for a, a new policy that will cover that loss. So the stakes are much higher than, say, an Uber ride from the airport to your home uh, or shopping online. Uh, so... Um, InsurTechs now have understand that it's a very complex um, industry. And so the second wave, and we've talked a lot about it uh, recently, is partnerships, right? Uh, I have a statistic in the book uh, from McKinsey, the global consulting firm, and they show that 91% of startups said that they wanted to um, enhance the current value chain in some way, either by offering new products or services or by creating efficiencies, some disintermediation to make things less expensive or or, better customer experiences. Only 9% said they wanted to fundamentally disrupt the insurance industry. Um, What I hear from a lot of my startup friends uh, is that they're getting very frustrated selling into an insurance sales cycle that tends to take 12, 18, 24 months. Um, Many described um, going through uh, proof of concept hell uh, or uh, being left at the altar. So they spend all this time in this relationship and they want to get to the very end and then all of a sudden the carrier walks away and they're really left with nothing for all the time that they've spent. Um, So uh, some of these partnerships uh, have been successful. I think a lot are for show and just kind of, you know, public relations. That sounds good. I think a few are very strong. Uh, but even the ones that are failing, these startups, if they can survive, um, are learning about the insurance industry. And they're coming out of this much more smarter about our industry and could potentially come back and directly compete when they were attempting to partner in the past. So how that all shakes out, I don't really know. Um, the final thing I'll say is um, there's a lot of non-traditional partners out there. Um, so there are some of the big tech giants and others uh, we heard yesterday that Tesla, the electric vehicle company, now has started their own insurance uh, operation in California um, to go direct to consumer rather than have them have to buy their uh, motor insurance through a, a traditional carrier. So I think you're going to see some more of those non-traditional carriers partnering up with us 
startups uh, to offer insurance and insurance-like products. Yeah, I agree with you. It's true. A couple of years ago, everyone was talking about insurtechs will be competing with big insurance companies. And now we can see that from both sides, collaboration seems to be the key word. And I think it's not only insurtechs who are looking for collaborating and realize that they cannot just conquer the whole industry. But insurance companies also realize that maybe they are not able to innovate just inside the house by themselves and open innovation is um, is being more and more successful and gaining more uh, traction but you also mentioned that it's it's culturally two completely different world uh, a startup and an incumbent insurance company and you mentioned that uh, you hear a lot from startups that it's a struggle sometimes to work with these big financial institutions and uh, can be frustrating and many times it happens that they work a lot and then actually the deal is not happening. Do you think there is a chance that these startups will turn to tech giants, telecommunication companies? We can see that, uh, as you mentioned, automobile companies not only dealing with insurance, but for instance, Paytech is also in the automotive industry. So do you think that this non-fit in cultural and the behavior characteristics between startups and the big financials can turn the startups to go to other players who can be entering to the financial market and it could be an enabling disruption from their side? Absolutely. Uh, I was in Istanbul earlier this year. Um, lots of talk about um, uh, telecom yeah. and partnerships very, very effective, particularly here in uh, Central and Eastern Europe. Um, I see that in Africa and South America. It's not so popular, and even in Asia some, um, not so popular in more established markets in Western Europe and the U.S. yet. Um, but uh, those telecoms have the distribution. They know their customers, and so um, customers are used to kind of using their phone um, to pay for things, to transfer money. Uh, we hear about things like Alipay. Obviously, PayPal is very popular. Um, so I definitely think that's one. We heard yesterday um, some of the venture capitalists were talking about um, platforms. So anything that's a platform and kind of has customer data can potentially turn into an insurance company where you kind of plug in um, insurance in the back end. Um, there's a, a ride-sharing firm in France, Blah Blah Car, that has um, Blah Blah Sure as an insurance component to it. Now that happens to be backed by Acts of France. Um, so that's a traditional company, but certainly you could have a, a startup or a non-traditional um, kind of power that type of um, platform. Uh, I recently ran across a company in the U.S. Uh, that is not an insurance company. Um, they are a social media site of, of sorts uh, for pets. So you can post pictures of your dog or other pets online and you can share uh, with, uh, you know, tips and, and health information uh, from your veterinary uh, uh, practice and, you know, is your dog up on its vaccinations or whatnot. Um, and so this community kind of helps each other. And they had a peer-to-peer -peer kind of insurance-like uh, product where uh, if your pet got sick and you didn't have the money to pay for surgery, say, we could all pitch in a little bit of money, say 50 euros, and help you uh, cover the cost so that, you know, you could get the care that you needed for your pet. And they specifically went to insurance regulators and lawyers and to make sure that it was not considered insurance. Um, and so things like that are very interesting when 
Um, they call it embedded insurance, right? So yeah. it's kind of along with something else that you're doing, but it's not the primary purpose of what you're buying. And we see that with drone flights. We see that with the uh, scooters, uh, where you can just kind of flip a switch and say, yes, I want to insure my ride for another you know, two euros, something like that. Yeah, I also think it's interesting. We can see more and more examples when insurers should go to the background. Blah, blah, sure is a great example for that. AXA is there, but acting more like a reinsurer. Mm-hmm. So in the branding, it is not in it. It's a, it's a, the brand is blah, blah. The distribution channel is blah, blah. So it's also an interesting model. And uh, we can also see that insurance itself is going a little bit in the background. That's not the main product. You buy a phone and with that, uh, Revolut offers you, for instance, an insurance in case uh, you drop your phone and you break it or things like that that shows the signs of shaping the industry. But I'm working for an insurance company, so you also. So we would say we want to be in the game also in 10 and 20 years. And you also mentioned in your book that uh, you don't think that managers are ready for the change. How can you help us managers? What can we do to be ready? It's a great question. Um, The first thing is just be aware that this is coming. And that's one of the primary reasons that I wrote the book. I talked about my experiences, a meeting with startups and seeing some of the promise of this technology. We didn't partner with most of those startups, but it was a sign, a signal that there's a lot of emerging technology out there and technology I frankly don't understand very well um, and need to learn because I was convinced that it could change our, our uh, industry. Um, so I used the example yesterday of blockchain in my presentation. Uh, so when I talk to lots of people at our company, they're very, including our chief technology officer, sorry, dismisses of blockchain. Oh, it's just a fancy encrypted database. We don't need that. Um, but there's a movement certainly to separate uh, blockchain and, and classify it more as distributed ledger technology, separated from some of the cryptocurrencies. I think it has a little bit of a, uh, a bad name or bad association for how yeah. it got started. Um, but we had an intern uh, over the summer from uh, after her first year of university um, work with us. And she's in the blockchain club at her university. And she told me a story that all these students were dropping out of the blockchain club and leaving the university. And I said, why? And I kept thinking there's, you know, anarchists, or they're trying to write their all into the cryptocurrency scene or whatnot. And she said, no, they're being hired by Wall Street in New York City because wow. these large companies are trying to understand it to gain a competitive advantage. So they're making them with six-figure incomes, dropping out of university as 18, 19-year-olds. So um, she came to help us do a proof of concept on blockchain and wrote a whole paper so that I can understand you know, what is the size of the opportunity? How could we use this? Should we use uh, Hyperledger or Ethereum or some of these other different technologies? That's um, just a whole new world. It's very difficult for me to understand. But she, in um, just kind of you know three to six months, really picked it up and really understood it. So um, the startups were telling me the same thing yesterday, that um, a lot of established carriers um, see them as a, as a junior partner, don't see them as an equal or a peer. So they're very dismissive. They treat them like another vendor or supplier and, you know, here are my terms, take it or leave it. Um, and so it's similar uh, story to, to my intern where in the past I might just say, Oh, you know, get me another coffee, right? 
But seeing her as a peer and that she had something to contribute to me, even though I've been in the industry 20 years, she'd only been in the industry two months, but she's teaching me something. It's the same with these startups. They have an opportunity to teach the established companies. Um, so really the critical thing is for established companies to have an open mindset and to treat these people as, as equals and uh, be ever open to learning new things and not just and say... And to change things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So seeing all this these things happening around us. Uh, many of the examples that we can point to um, are, uh, you know, kind of limited success today. They're not necessarily uh, directly impacting anybody's bottom line or competitive position, but that will change and it will change very quickly. So companies like Lemonade in the U.S. that recently came over uh, to Germany and is now expanding quickly in Europe is one that a lot of people talk about. There's a lot of hype and buzz about it. At the end of the day, if you look at um, their market share, it's still very small, you know, very fractional. So a lot of people are very dismissive, but they're growing tremendously. And uh, today they might not amount to a big part of the market, but in the next year or two, they could really start making a dent. Yeah, and they are changing how customers look at insurance itself. Because if I can get that service from Lemonade that fast, that easy, that paperless, then that's what I expect from every other insurance company. Absolutely. Um, these insure techs are raising the bar for customer expectations. So you have um, customer expectations being set by other industries. Um, we're all used to doing everything mobile. I think somebody yesterday did a survey that said, um, you know, 43% said the most important thing in their life was their partner. The, the, the one that they couldn't live without. What live is the thing you couldn't live without? Yeah. And 43% mentioned partner and 97 mentioned smartphones, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we're all, um, it is the most personal technology that we've ever had, right? We carry it physically on us. We're constantly on these things. It's an ever present part of our life every day. Um, and so, companies that have leveraged that power uh, and are able to transact business on that platform, it has to be very simple and very elegant because you don't have a lot of screen time. And so the constraints, ironically, of a mobile phone versus a desktop or a laptop are actually forcing um, a lot of design thinking and a lot of streamlined processes. Well, those are not things we typically associate with insurance. You mentioned all the forms we've got to fill out and somebody's got to look at it or whatnot. Um, but these are what customers are coming to expect from other uh, companies, the way they shop, the way they, um, you know, transportation, other uh, parts of their life. Um, and to the extent that startups provide a similar experience on the insurance side, that is what customers are quickly going to be uh, expecting. And to go to an agent or broker's office and to sit there for an hour or two and have to answer lots of questions and fill out a lot of paper and then be told, oh, we'll let you know in four or five days if you have a policy once the underwriter uh, takes a look at it. It's just uh, so foreign to most of our uh, experiences today. That might have been fine 10, 20, yeah. 30 years ago but not in 2019 and certainly not in the 2020s. Yeah, I agree with you. And the thing is, customers will expect that and people can see that insurance companies and say that it's not possible, but startups and tech companies and telecommunication companies, they're going to make it possible. So I also agree with you. And part of the reason why I started this podcast that we need to learn from each other and we need to be able to transform our own industry instead of, letting others transform in. 
And I'm glad that you mentioned the learning because there are so many resources out there. Um, so we're here in Vienna all together. I think 20 countries are yeah. represented on stage. Um, I'm here from the U.S. You're uh, just next door in Hungary. Um, and through the power of social media and uh, the Internet, we're able to connect and to find each other and to learn from each other. And so I absolutely see that happening, um, that companies are reaching out. Uh, particularly startups and um, founders are kind of a tight-knit group and they try to seek each other out and they're not necessarily competing because um, they're value propositions that are at different points in the value chain and so they're really working together to try to understand uh, the insurance cycle, how to sell into it, what's effective and what's not and so that's really accelerating their learning curve as well and so it's important that uh, we take advantage of all the resources globally that are out there, including your podcast, including my book, and many other wonderful resources that are available to prepare those that are working in the insurance sector today for the future of what's coming tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So uh, where can people find out more about you to see what you share and learn from you? Can we find you on LinkedIn, Twitter? All of those, yeah. So um, I probably share the most on LinkedIn. Um, so just search Rob Galbraith or Rob Galbraith Insurance on LinkedIn. Uh, you should be able to quickly find me. Happy to um, connect with anybody that sends me an invitation. Um, I'm on Twitter at Rob Galb, so R-O-B-G-A-L-B. Uh, and I uh, do try to share a lot on Twitter. That's Twitter. I tell people Twitter's my first love. Uh, so uh, LinkedIn is a great platform for professionals, but um, I kind of like the shortness and kind of the conversational okay. style of Twitter. Um, I'm also on Facebook. So if you type Rob Galbraith Insurance on Facebook, happy to connect there. And then also on Instagram at most interesting man in insurance. That's yes, that's all that. fits. Um, you can also find the book on Twitter at end of insurance and on Instagram uh, at end of insurance and on Facebook at the end of insurance. I will put all these in the show notes so that you can uh, find it. And if someone would like to buy the book and read the book, where can we do that? So the book's sold exclusively on Amazon. Uh, it's available in both paperback version and Kindle digital uh, download. And you can find out, uh, you know, see lots of uh, wonderful reader reviews out there. Um, find out a little bit more about me on Amazon. You can also go to the book's website, which is endofinsurance.com. Uh, I typically will put podcasts up there, um, other interviews, lots of content um, surrounding the book there, as well as uh, what events that I'm going to be speaking at. And um, I just posted the slides from my presentation yesterday up there this morning. So mm -hmm. it's just a great resource for folks to uh, get content and to learn more about the book. Great, great. So insurance manager come join learn learn from rob because i'm pretty sure we can learn a lot from him and we can learn a lot from each other and let's disrupt our own industry thank you very much for talking to me thanks so much linda it's great to be with you thanks and thank you for listening if you like the show please subscribe so that you never miss an episode and if you really loved us please rate the show Next time, I will have another awesome guest from the magic of innovation, and we will be talking about how to conquer the heart, mind, and home screen of your customer with Dr. Robin Kiera. Until then, stay tuned and follow the flow.